You ready? I'm ready. Welcome to another episode of Prison Talk with Jamie Mead and Emma Charleston. And in this episode, we thought it would be very important to cover um, a topic of victim sensitivity and victims' rights. In the last two episodes, we have been discussing um, mandatory minimums and how judges should have the discretion and on the last episode we were talking about second look sentencing but we have been focusing on the offender in both of those episodes and we wanted to address in this episode um, more on the victims the the rights that victims have and the fact that we cannot overlook um, the victims and what they have to say about our release from prison mm. Because they would have to have, they would have to have a say in it, surely. Yes, and and in in Michigan, um, like many other states, there are um, statutory rights. Um, victims are notified if they keep their address on file with the Department of Corrections. Um, they are notified of when any uh, offender that commits a crime against them are about to be released from prison. Mm. So, and so, because they have a right to, you know, make a statement at the parole board hearing, or um, they have a, actually have a right to request that the prosecutor appeal. In the state of Michigan, um, the legislators have, they passed a law that restricts the right of the offender to appeal a parole board decision, but it, it actually, it, it gives the right to the victim or the victim family to appeal a decision from the parole board to release offenders. So they can actually, they have the right to uh, challenge and, and potentially stop a parole. And I think that's fairly, I think that's fair. What stops it though from turning into like, you know, just plain revenge? Do they even, do, do they care? Should should anyone well, care? And, and it matters what um, county you are coming from. Um, in Michigan, because we have multiple counties, I'm not sure exactly how many, mm. um, but it, it does matter because if you're from a more conservative county, the prosecutor may um, take a vengeful stance mm. and not stop uh, from, you know, fighting to prevent a release of a, a, an offender. Yeah. And it, when when it comes to lifers, or you know, life with, with the possibility of parole or life without the possibility of parole or mm. someone that has, um, the parole board has taken interest for a commutation, mm. you have to go through a public hearing. Yeah. And during that public hearing, victims or any member of the public has the right to speak at those um, hearings mm. live in front of the offender and in front of the parole board and the attorney general. Yeah. So they can express their desire to, that you stay in prison. Mm. I think that's pretty. I think that's pretty fair. I don't know how people that are in prison might feel about that, but I think that's pretty fair. Well, that, I'd wanna. I'd yeah, that wanna. That is a fine line. It is a fine line that offenders. Um, you know, they must keep that in mind. You know, mm. you, especially those of us convicted of uh, of a homicide. Mm. 
it's with the family. We have to, you know, you have to realize, you have to have empathy and sympathy for those victims, the family, because if you don't, if you don't put yourself in their shoes, I mean, if, if someone harms your family member and you're a offender, mm. you would want, normally, most offenders say revenge. Yeah. <laughs> and so, but most law-abiding well, citizens, they, their revenge is incarceration or the death penalty, mm. if you're in the states with the death penalty. Maybe I'm an offender then, because <laughs> I tend to, that's yeah. what I mean by revenge, because I would be... Well, maybe I'd show some mercy, but I just think I would have that, you know, that stereotypical lock them up, throw away the key. Like it's one thing, yeah. it is one thing when you're talking to people um, that haven't hurt any of me, you know, me or mine, but it would be a completely different story, I think, if it was one of if it was one of my family. I think I'd be be really annoying to the offender, but I wouldn't care. So I'm, I think it's good that they get the chance to say what they have to say. But just because they say it doesn't mean that um, they won't be released. Like, I mean, does it allow, you know, a, a person, you know, filled with, you know, um, well, hatred or dislike or sadness or whatever to stop someone that's actually deserving of a chance or is it just something they take into consideration because i suppose you've got to be like that's not really just is it fair no and, and it is something they take they, it is something they take into consideration mm. and you know that is that is a difficult um topic for many to to talk about and mm. you know where i've taken um i've taken two classes um one in victimology and one in victim sensitivity mm. And, or victim advocacy, mm. and it's a, it's it's very. Um, what I've learned through those classes and through other psych classes, that sometimes, you know, there there should be a program or there should be some type of reconciliation program mm. that allows, you know, the victim to have closure, and yes. the focus should be on the victim, and and that involves the offender. Yeah, because yeah. there are there are cases and, and we have a lot of it on, you know, true crime TV and different um, channels in mm. the United States that show that when the uh, victim family of a homicide victim get together with uh, the offender and actually sometimes it brings true closure. Sometimes it doesn't, mm. but sometimes it does. We've even seen instances where they become really good friends and and that person that's sitting on death row or serving life mm. is actually the only visit they get mm. is from the victim's mother or sister or grandmother because they you know mm. they've taken a, a a true love or a like to helping that person although he's serving life yeah i've and seen it helps the offender I've seen one. I've seen an interview with one woman who's. I think both her sons were killed by somebody, and she was. Yeah, at the trial, she was. You know, calling for leniency of this of this uh, other person, and they didn't know each other beforehand. You know, and I just. I do remember thinking, wow. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how that how you come to that thing, but, but and it's good for. It, obviously, it's good for her. It's good for the victim to be able to get closure. Why? What for? Yeah. For, I mean, for a closure is, is because you, the hardship that an individual who has been 
that has taken the life of someone and taken it at an early age is, you know, it's, it's extremely difficult psychologically and emotionally mm. for uh, family members and loved ones and friends to deal with. Mm. And it is something that, you know, it's very difficult, to, a hump that's very difficult to get over. Mm. And there's different, and, and it doesn't mean that reconciliation with offender works for everyone, because no. it doesn't. No, I but imagine it, it, a lot. And we, and, and I always say, You have one minute remaining. I always say in the United States with our listeners, because Emma is in Australia, so we're always comparing different um, judiciary systems. And ideas. Um, and just the, the fact yeah, that America is very so, weird with their locking up people. Just anyone. You, you, and you to prison. That's what it seems like to me sometimes. It does seem that ridiculous to me. Well, part two. Our phone call is about to end. We only got about 10 minutes in on this one. But we will continue on the next call in 15 <laughs> minutes when I'm available to call back. So? We'll, we'll continue our conversation with victims rights and victim sensitivity. This might even be three phone calls. It could be. Because I, 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 I've got some questions. I've got some things to say. All right, so we'll be back. Bye. Yes, bye-bye.